Welcome to the Triumphal Feast Podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia. Most folks want to redefine who God is to make Him more like us so that we can keep on doing the things that we like to do so we redefine God. There's nothing new. Men have done that for 6,000 years, and men have been wrong for 6,000 years. Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church meets regularly two times a week. Our regular worship service is on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern, and our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749 Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com. This morning, the subject that I have on my mind is peace. The word peace in many forms occurs in our King James Bible 420 times. Tells me that's a pretty important word for it to occur that many times. Now sometimes that is they held their peace. Sometimes it talks about peace between men. But a great majority of the time there are some beautiful verses that talk about peace between God and man. And that's mainly what I'm interested in talking about this morning. Because without peace between God and man, there is no peace at all. There are those, and it's quoted several times in the Old Testament and the New Testament writers say there's those that cry peace, peace, where there is no peace. I'm not talking about a false sense of security. Many folks that say they live a peaceable life and I thought this was just an opinion of mine until I was reading Elder Spurgeon and a few others this week, and they even in their time were surrounded by people who lived their life in ignorance and thought it was peace. Basically what it was is they were ostriches putting their head in the sand, ignoring the dangers that were all around them, saying everything is fine. Impenitent of their sins and thinking that God was okay with them. They were crying out, peace, peace, where there really wasn't any peace. It was a false sense of security and reminds me of uh, that account that I read in John Gill many, many years ago in regard to Jonah, the prophet Jonah, when God had told him to go to Nineveh to preach and he didn't want to go. And so he went the exact opposite direction, paid his way onto a boat, thought he had escaped the providence of God and was asleep down on the bottom of the boat when the entire ship was being taken over by a storm that scared uh, merchant sailors who were veterans and so scared that they were throwing over their livelihood to try to save their lives. And Gil puts us this way that Jonah was 
basking away in the bosom of carnal security. (laughs) That's not the kind of peace that I'm talking about this morning, and it's not the kind of peace that I want for you or that I want for myself, and I will go so far as to say that that is not the kind of peace that God wants for his people. If you would, turn with me over to Colossians chapter 3. That's where we'll begin this morning. But I will tell you, crack your knuckles and get ready to turn the pages because I do want to look at a lot of examples of the word peace in various places in the Bible. Now, don't get worried. I'm not going to go to all 420 places where the word peace or peaceable or peaceful occurs, but I do want to look at some highlights throughout the entire Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You'll recall that I've encouraged you to remember the two main reasons why we worship the Lord. What is the first? Because God told us to. And the second? Because we're thankful. The Apostle Paul tells us how to become thankful. And it's with peace. But I want you to notice, and I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself so you can see where I'm headed this morning. Paul says, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. So we're going to need to talk about what this peace is and how it comes to pass. And we're going to talk about it ruling in our hearts. So we've got to discover how the peace of God can even be in our hearts. Because if it's not there, it cannot rule in our hearts. But once it is there... We have the power to either let it rule or to not let it rule. That's clearly something that's easy to understand that the peace that we need is placed there by the sovereign work of the Lord. That is eternal salvation. And if we are to be timely delivered and find peace in our lives, we now in our new nature have a choice. Are we going to live like the old man? Are we going to live like the new? Which Paul starts this chapter in saying, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Put off the old man and put on the new. And oh, by the way, when you were born again, you were called to do this. And not only that, you were called to do this in a church because it says in one body. We weren't called to do this alone. Because I'll tell you what, it's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to live peaceably with all men when you're by yourself. That's selfish. The only way you can live peaceably with somebody else is to be around them. And this is where the Lord triumphs over the devil whenever two human beings that love the Lord, show love to one another, the devil just cannot stand it. And God gains a victory on a daily basis when that happens. But what Paul tells us is that victory is left up to us. We can't blame God if we don't have peace amongst ourselves. Because as we're going to see, he's the author of peace. 
and he has granted it to his people. So we're going to come back to Colossians 3 in just a moment. And the word peace occurs before this one, but I want us to go back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. This is a familiar teaching in this area. It's a familiar story to us. In Exodus chapter 14, we have the time that the children of Israel, led by Moses and Aaron, are now leaving Egypt. And the Egyptians are pursuing them. We know the, all of the plagues that came upon Egypt, that God spared the children of Israel, that he set them apart as different, even to the point of the killing of the firstborn in all of Egypt that showed that God has power no matter what kings of the earth say. I want to say that one again. No matter what kings of the earth say, God took Pharaoh's lineage like that. So why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? To go against the God of heaven is a dangerous place to be. That Psalm 2 ends with these words, kiss the son, lest he be angry and thou be Consumed when his wrath is kindled but a little. Just a little bit of the wrath of God. In Exodus chapter 14, we have this scene where the children of Israel have fled and God has brought them to the Red Sea. A test of their faith which most of them failed. <laughs> because they see the sea, they see the approaching army. They forget everything that God has done before and we're the same, aren't we? Whenever a new trouble comes up, we forget all of the things that God delivered us from before. But they have this sea before them, and they wonder, well, has God brought us out here to be killed on the edge of the sea? Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you this day for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, <clears throat> ye shall see them again no more forever. That's a literal statement. Every single one of those guys that was on horseback or on camel or in a chariot or running on foot, every single one of them that they saw pursuing them and they were afraid they weren't going to see them anymore because by the end of that day, they were going to be underneath that sea and the children of Israel are going to be over it. That was a fact. Notice this in verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Now, hold your peace simply means you don't talk. But it means something more, or we wouldn't be using the word peace in it. When we recognize the sovereign grace of God, there is nothing for us to add to it, so shut your mouth and embrace the peace that is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is a clear lesson. There was absolutely nothing that the children of Israel could do with a sea on one side of them and an army on the other side. 
absolutely nothing that they could do. And so Moses says, stand still. If we are involved, even if it's to the making a simple decision or doing one small act or simply saying it is my will that God do this for me, then we're not standing still and we're not holding our peace and we won't be at peace. Most of the Christian world today is in that condition because most Christianity teaches that God can only do so much. Now, they get upset with me if I mention it this way, but let's be honest. If we have to make the decision that it applies to us, then we're saying that God can only do so much or whatever I allow him to do. We know God's not knocking on the heart of a sinner hoping he can save him. God comes bursting in by his almighty power. And so this is an example to show us that God delivers without us. And so we are to be, first of all, in an awesome silence about that and hold our peace, which means both of those things. Be quiet, but also we are seeing our peace being carried out. Throughout the Old Testament, in particular, in the book of Leviticus, and I'm not going to go to all of these, but there are peace offerings made continually. And there is never a peace offering made by God to men. Every single time there is a peace offering made from men to God. What are they doing? They know they cannot make peace with God, and so they're asking Him to make peace. They're asking Him for forgiveness. Now, see, that doesn't work here in the 21st century. Most folks want to redefine who God is to make Him more like us so that we can keep on doing the things that we like to do so we redefine God. There's nothing new. Men have done that for 6,000 years. And men have been wrong for 6,000 years. The Bible defines who God is. And if we are to have peace, it is going to have to be that God brings it to us. Let's look at another specific case. Turn with me over to the book of Judges. Book of Judges chapter 6 we find a man named Gideon. Now here is another example of the grace of God, Gideon. The Midianites had come to power and were causing problems all over Judea. The pattern in Judges is this. God's people disobey. God allows a group around them that they should have thrown out when they came in and conquered Canaan's land. There's a lesson right there. If, if you think just, oh, that sin's okay, I'm going to let it hang around for a little while. If you don't think it's going to come back to haunt you, just read the book of Judges. They disobey the Lord, so the Lord allows a group to come up against them, and then he brings a judge to deliver them when they cry out for help. The problem is, as soon as the judge delivers them, they say, all right, we're at peace, and they go back to their old ways. 
cycle over and over and over again. Sound familiar to you? It does to me. So at this particular time, it's the Midianites that are the problem. And the Lord has a man that's going to deliver them, but he's a chicken. He is, folks. I'll prove it to you. Judges chapter 6. Verse 11, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abazrite, and his son Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, I'm thankful that I don't have to make a living doing this, but I researched what this was to Thresh wheat, you got to get the junk out of it. The best way to do that is to get on a big old open hill where the wind is blowing, and you put it on a blanket, and you pop it up in the air, and the wheat and the chaff go up in the air. The wheat is heavy enough that it falls down, and the junk flies away. Best place to do it. Big open field or up on top of a hill where the wind is blowing. But Gideon's where? in a wine press those are not open air areas (laughs) not many people can see what's going on in that area it's probably shaded it's hidden and it says literally to hide it from the Midianites this is the guy that's going to lead Israel out but he won't even stand up and thresh wheat in front of the Midianites he's going to do that in secret here's the grace of God And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. What? He's hiding, threshing wheat. And the Lord calls him mighty man of valor. He has given the description of a conquering general that has led armies and already beat somebody. But he's still over there. In the threshing floor. Well, no, he's not even in a threshing floor. He's in a wine press. But the key is not just that he is a mighty man of valor. It is the Lord is with thee. See, God can call things and describe things and say things are facts that we don't see from our perspective yet. Election is one of those things. Before the foundation of the world, you were declared to be a saint. Now, I'm not saying go out and don't live like a saint, but God doesn't declare you a saint based upon what you have done. It's based upon his choice of you. God didn't choose you because of how good you were going to be, and he saw it. Any good that is in you is because God chose you. Amen? And so we have this case of Gideon who is hiding from the very ones that he is going to conquer and God declares it done even before it happens because he calls him a mighty man of valor before he ever does anything. Wow, that's awesome. I really like that because I mess up a lot. And if it's based upon me, if my peace with God is based upon my ability to not be a chicken, 
I'm lost. I want to skip ahead in the story a little bit because we all kind of know what happens here. Skip to verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Gideon given up an offering. The angel did this. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. When he says alas, he know, he's in his mind, I'm fixing to die. Because you cannot be, sounds like can't even be in the presence of a holy angel when he's showing his form and his power. But notice this. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Why? Because the Lord is with him. If the Lord is with us, no weapon formed against thee can harm us. If the Lord is with us, his enemies can be destroyed right next to us and we still stand strong. In his power. It is absolutely amazing how God can do these things, but that is a piece that we need to understand because we may be facing a time here in our nation like we haven't for a very, very long time where it's not going to be peaceful in the streets, that it's not going to just be antagonistic to us. It's going to be violent against us. But if the Lord is with us, we can be at peace. Because what we need to fear the most is the Lord, not men. See, that's what Gideon need to, needed to understand. It's to find peace in our lives. We need to fear God, not the Midianites. Gideon needed to learn that lesson. We need to learn that lesson. We are too concerned what other people think. And I'm not talking to kids. All of us. We're too worried about what somebody else thinks about us when we need to be concerned about what the Lord thinks about us. Because he is the one that back over there in Egypt could put a blight in an area of insects and then the area right next to it not have any of them. You notice I didn't even mention the one where, where, there, where there was the killing of the firstborn. We know how that happened. There was blood on the doorpost and the lintel. But the plague of flies, plague of frogs, and they stop. <laughs> Those are huge miracles that show God can make a division that we cannot make. And working with younger preachers, I used to be a young preacher myself. Nerves is a fact. Being nervous is part of being human. 
But what I've told young preachers is if they don't go through the experience that I did, they probably need to stop. There has to be a point at some time where you stop being worried about what the congregation thinks about your ability to preach and about the God that's standing there with you in the pulpit, whether he's going to squish you like a bug if you don't represent him well. Great big difference. There is a tremendous amount of fear that comes into that because have people ridiculed things that I preach? Yes, still happens today. And I examine it, and if there's truth in it, then I adjust. If there's not, then I pray for them, and I go on, and I keep preaching the same thing. But when I came to that realization that I am here to represent God, and if I misrepresent His Son, Jesus Christ, then I can be consumed in an instant, which would actually be merciful, because that's not typically what He does to false prophets. They tend to suffer sometimes. And so we need to fear God more than man. I think that was the testimony of the disciples when they were brought before the court. First of all, they asked, should we obey you or should we obey God? They're brought back in again because they didn't stop preaching Jesus. It's a better obey God than man. It's better to fear the Lord than fear man. They came to the right conclusion. Now they still suffered. But they walked away after being beaten and rejoiced that they were found worthy to suffer. See, our definition of peace needs to be adjusted to a biblical definition. Because those brothers walked away in physical pain, but in, at peace. They could have given in to men and had peace with those men and not be hurt by them. But how do you think the Lord would have treated them in their ministry? I can tell you what it's been like in my personal experience when it's been very clear to me that the Lord would have me preach a certain message and I tried to avoid it. COVID ain't got nothing on that sickness. Okay? Because it wasn't a physical illness. It was my soul itself was wrenching my gut <laughs> until I couldn't move. God is able... And God does, and thankfully, he does. Turn with me over to Psalm chapter 4. More of the instances of how God is our only source of peace. I hope you're getting that theme, that this peace that Paul is talking about is not based upon having enough money. It's not based upon whether everybody likes you or not. It's not based upon anything out here in the natural world. It's not even based upon do you have enough free time to go do your favorite hobby. None of those things are true peace. True peace comes from God alone. So let's take David. You want to talk about a guy that had a tumultuous life. He mentions that there was a time that a lion came after the sheep. We don't have that written, but David tells us it happened. That had to be a scary moment. Sounds like David killed the lion, though. He also tells us that there was a time where a bear came and attacked his father's flock. Had to be an extremely scary time. 
David killed the bear. And so when he comes up against Goliath, he reminds himself of what God has done before so that he could face this because he declares that that giant has come against the living God. Wasn't just against David. Wasn't just against Saul. He was against the living God. He had defied the army of God. But you remember what happened on that same occasion? His own brethren made fun of him, mocked him, said, you just come out to see the sport. David had turmoil in his life all of the time. Some of it self-inflicted, Bathsheba. Some of it jealousy, Saul. Some of it jealousy, his brethren. Some of it just ignorance of God working in David's life. David had turmoil. David even had a son that tried to kill him, probably more than one, but Absalom was pretty clear that what he wanted to do. We are out of time for today, so we will pause the message. Please join us next time as we learn how David and we can have peace in times of joy and in times of distress. Because of the grace of God, the Spirit of God will never depart from us. Therefore, we can always live in peace. We hope this edition of Triumphal Feast has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources, including our devotional blog, Little Brother's Thoughts on the Bible. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you all is our prayer.